0: Uh, thanks. Uh, okay, we note the theme is rejoice, or joy, and we have worked our way through. We're here in chapter 4, and uh, as we get, are in chapter 4, w- w- chapter 3 lives, leaves off with really an eternal perspective. Our citizenship is in heaven. This is ultimately where w- we're going. You know, our, our time here is short. How, time, how short is our time here? Very is a good word. It's like a vapor, the Bible says. You know, vapors are very short. I, I can't believe. My next birthday, you know, I'm going to be 65 years old. Can you believe that? I can't believe it either. It's like, where did that go? Yeah, you're old. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> well, you know, it all depends. I have yeah. socks that old. You, you what? I have socks that old. You do? <laughs> I doubt that, but, you know, I'm I'm looking up to MacArthur, he's my my mentor here, he's 80 some years old, Swindoll's 80 some years old. Anyway, as long as I'm healthy, I'll keep going. But anyway, uh, eternal perspective, that's what it's all about. And then as we get into uh, chapter 4, uh, he says, stand fast in the Lord. And there's a number of things to build on as we go into the chapter, then as far as Standing fast in the Lord. And uh, note the emphasis here. Biblical unity, grounded in like-mindedness. Verses 1 through 3. Uh, verse 4, rejoicing the Lord always, grounded in the fact you're a citizen of heaven. Verse 5, a disposition of gentleness. Let your gentleness be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Graciousness to all people. The Lord is coming. And then verses 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. Uh, life of prayer, the antidote for worry. Verse 8, a life of disciplined thinking. Uh, Think on these things, key to being spiritually and mentally healthy. Verse 9, a life of application of these things. Fosters fellowship with with the God of peace. That's where we left off. And tonight, verses 10 through 13, a life of contentment, uh, dependence on the Lord. So uh, what does it mean to stand fast in the Lord? Well, I think it means applying these principles that he's bringing out here in uh, chapter 4. Well, uh, tonight, uh, Paul's learned contentment. Somebody want to read for us verse uh, ten to get us going here. Uh, somebody want to read verse ten? Yeah, Bill. Uh, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now I last your for me first, though you be here as you lack Okay, he has felt a closeness to this particular church, as as we have noted. They were, have been with him in the fellowship of the gospel from the very time they were saved, as we saw back in chapter 1 uh, earlier there. And uh, now he says he's rejoicing in the Lord greatly. Uh, it's interesting how Paul kind of brings to bear his personal testimony in light of the things he's been challenging them on. Remember what he said earlier in the chapter? Don't be anxious for anything. I think Paul is showing, I've had plenty of opportunity to be anxious. I mean, he was in a context which would, uh, you know, under house arrest, uh, that would probably make most people anxious. But he is emphasizing anxiety with prayer, with a healthy thought life, as we have talked about. Uh, and he's emphasized that we can have the peace of God that passes all understanding. Uh, this is his testimony. And, and yet here he is, uh, the idea of rejoicing in the Lord in spite of his circumstances now this is his theme in the letter rejoice right rejoice in the lord and here he is practicing that but he's rejoicing in the context of having received support from them that's the background here and uh, in terms of god's provision for him uh, note god's provision for paul at this point was not miraculous but rather providential this is the norm in this life God constantly works providentially to meet our needs. In his perfect timing, he uses things, people, events, circumstances, situations in just the right way that our needs are met. That's really what we have going on here with Paul, and the reason he's rejoicing so greatly is because of the gift that they have sent to him. Well, it wasn't a miracle. It was providentially provided by God to meet his needs. But he's rejoicing in the Lord. It was God's provision through these people, and he's thankful for it. And notice he continues, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. So he's rejoicing greatly. He's very thankful for the provision that now at last <clears throat> your care for me has flourished again. Though you did surely care, but you lacked opportunity. Uh, evidently, been some time. He's been waiting. Uh, he's been waiting for, for a while. You understand that in Paul's day, when you were a prisoner under house arrest, the government did not take care of you. If you sat there and... Just rot away, that's your problem. You better have some family, you better have some friends, you better have some means by which you can pay the rent. He was under house arrest, so he's living in the house, but he had to pay rent for the house. I uh, had to pay you know, for food, or somebody had to bring him food, which they were doing. There were certain people that were uh, providing for Paul, were taking care of him, but I think it was not a situation of having a lot. He's depending on supporters. And so he says, now at last your care... Uh, for me, has flourished. Tremendous pressure, and so he's thankful for the support that has come in uh, that has been relayed from the church at Philippi at this point. Now, um, when he says that now at the last your care for me has flourished, we don't know for sure how much support had come in, but as far as the record, you go back to the beginning, this is about 10 years earlier when he talks about how they had had sent support to him. And uh, you compare that with Acts 17 18. It may have been a number of years since they were able to support him. Yeah. Uh, got the idea yeah, okay. Right. And I think that's a good translation. Uh, the idea of flourish is, is reviving this again, uh, you know. So, um, but it doesn't tell us about the length. You got a note there that talks about the length? No, it, it Okay. <clears throat> right, okay. So you're just. The, 10 well, that's what we're guessing. Now, that's what the commentators say. You know, it may have been that long. So it's been quite a while since he rece- received any support from them, evidently. And uh, there might be a number of reasons for that. Uh, we'll talk about this here a little bit. But the point is, I think he had been very desperately in need, and it had been, you know, who's out here supporting Paul? Well, they had been loyal supporters, but it had been a while. Been a while. Now this support shows up, and he says, I'm rejoicing. It was such a blessing, uh, rejoicing greatly in God's provision here at this point. And notice he says, again, uh, which shows they had been previous supporters of his, but uh, they had lacked opportunity, he says. Uh, it's not like they didn't care, uh, he says, uh, though you surely did care, it's not like they didn't care, but they evidently lack, lacked opportunity. Why might they have lacked opportunity, do you suppose? Poor, right. The churches of Macedonia we see in Second Corinthians uh, were very poor. Maybe they shouldn't have it. They, 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 they wanted to, but hey, we, we're just fending for ourselves here. And so they might not have been able to do it because they were, they were poor. Uh, you got the situation of uh, who's taking it. You know, do we have somebody to even take it to him? I mean, this was, uh, you know, we're talking weeks of getting to the Apostle Paul, if not months. I mean, he's in Rome. So this was quite the journey. So maybe just the, you know, the logistics of, of getting it to him might, might have been a problem. Uh, so who knows what's all involved in terms of the background here, as far as why they had not supported him for quite a while? There might have been some some good reasons, which it seems to uh, to come through from Paul. Even uh, like you did care, but you lacked opportunity for whatever reason. It just they just weren't able to do it. Okay, um, praise the Lord for support. We all need support. We need a support system. Uh, Paul needed a support system, and and when it showed up, this support, he's very thankful. But uh, notice he wants to be very clear as he goes on here. Let's have somebody read verses 11 and 12. Uh, Who wants to read that for us? Yeah, okay, Albert, 11 and 12? Okay, thank you. Uh, so notice he's very quick to clarify. Because, you know, you could almost take this, like Paul telling, uh, you know, almost, um, almost getting on them a little bit. Like, I'm expecting something out of you folks here. You know, uh, like, but he's real clear. Not that I speak in regard to need. He didn't want them to get the wrong idea. Uh, like, uh, you know, I'm manipulating you through what I'm saying here, that I'm greatly rejoicing. Where, I hadn't been there for a long time, but now I'm really happy. It, like, uh, manipulating him somehow. No, he's not doing that. There's no panic. This is not a crisis appeal, in other words, right? This is not an emergency letter. Uh, like, I'm getting all these letters now, you know, certain, whatever the latest crisis is, you know, you've got these ministries and they all send you these letters and say, please send money so we can help them do whatever. Uh, Paul didn't do that. And he's not doing that here. That's what he says. Uh, This is not an emergency support letter. (laughs) That's not what he's doing. Uh, He says, not that I speak in regard to need. And here's why. He says, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Wow. And notice here. He says, I've learned this. It's not natural. It's not necessarily normal. I've, I've learned. I've learned this. I've learned to be content. Uh, This is learned contentedness. Uh, He had learned to wait on the Lord. He had learned to depend upon the Lord. And uh, it was a process. I I think this is a learned thing. You you don't just say, well, I'm born again. Now I'm just just trusting the Lord. Uh, Well, and hopefully you are. I mean, you have saving faith. But there's a process of growing. There's a process of learning uh, to depend upon the Lord. And what we have here is really the school of life. You know, once you get saved, you kind of enter into God's school. And God begins to school you. He begins to teach you. And one of the things that Paul had learned was to trust God no matter what his circumstances were. And that's what he's, he's talking about here. He had learned that God's in control. And uh, what we see here is there are going to be some tough times. It weren't all good times. There were some good times. There were some hard times. And there's a mixture in life. And most of us know both. We know some good times, we know some hard times. And Paul says, he's been there. And through it all, he's learned. He says, I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. All kinds of contexts, all kinds of situations. He has learned that, that God does take care of us. You know what the Bible says, right? Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Uh, Psalm 23, one. does anybody memorize that? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Want? I shall not want. I I shall not lack is the idea. Well, if God's our shepherd and we shall not lack, I think we can trust him. Uh, But it doesn't mean that things are always going to be swimmingly. Like everything's going to be prosperity gospel oriented. Uh, That's not going to be the case necessarily. And so he says, uh, I've learned in whatever state I am, whether it's in Iowa or Nebraska. <laughs> no, he's not talking. Those kind of states. whatever my condition is, uh, whatever, whatever I'm going through to be content. He's dependent upon God, not his circumstances, is the idea of contentment. That's the idea. Uh, depending on God, not on, him, on his circumstances. He's satisfied with God's provision. Well, whatever he's going through, he has learned to be satisfied with God's provision. That's the idea of contentment. Yes, yeah. Yep, that's true. Uh, this word content does emphasize self-sufficiency in relying upon God. So it's not self-sufficiency in and of myself, but it's uh, self-sufficient independence upon God. It really almost sounds like a contradiction, but if you understand what he's saying, uh, he's saying, you know, what God provides for me is sufficient, and, and I'm self-sufficient in, in that sense. Yeah, that's where, we're, that's where we're going. That's where we're going. That, that's right. That, that is the explanation, really. That's right. That's right. So um, now he's not talking about, uh, hey, I'm just irresponsible. You know, that, that's, not, that's not where he's coming from. In fact, um, in Paul's practice, he, he, uh, Paul's practice was to do whatever he could to provide for himself. I mean, what did Paul do for a living? He was a tent maker. I mean, a lot of places, he was working with his hands to provide for himself. And so, yeah, he, he was responsible to provide for himself and yet trust in the Lord for his provision, whether it be little or much. Contentment rests in whatever the Lord provides and yet does, does whatever is humanly possible to meet the need. I see the Book of Wisdom, Proverbs, a strong emphasis on work versus the sluggard. Uh, God provides, but he most commonly does it through just plain old hard work. God provides for the birds, but he does not throw bird seed into their nests. You know, isn't that right? Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> well, that's what he told the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. That's right. If any would not work, neither should he eat. So absolutely, He lived by that motto. So it's not like a careless, irresponsible thing when he says, you know, I don't care, whatever state I'm in, I'm content, you know. It wasn't a lazy perspective. It was, you know, a responsible perspective. But here he is, uh, like I say, my next slide here. Uh, in, present con- in his present context, Paul was not able to do anything in terms of going out and meeting his own needs via employment. I mean, he's under house arrest. His only option was to wait on the Lord and this he was doing out of a trained contentment. He potentially could have written letters trying to manipulate people to support him, but this he refused to do. Instead, he has schooled his heart to accept whatever the Lord provided and to be content with it. And so uh, that's, that's his perspective. I think i got one more slide here. Contentment is really being satisfied with God and His provision, whatever that involves. It's accepting your God-placed lot in life. This was Paul's attitude. Life was no longer about stuff, whether it be little or much, but rather it was about contentment that rested in God. Love this verse, 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain. And how, how true that is. Um, okay. I often think about this, uh, you know, that, that story about the, the Puritan who sat down, all he had to, uh, was uh, a glass of water. And kind of a dry piece of bread. And he said, what? All this and Jesus too? <laughs> ah, contentment. You know, it's, uh, it's wonderful to be content. You know, my dad taught me a lot in life. My dad was an interesting kind of a guy. Dad was a different kind of a guy. None of us kids knew dad. Uh, we, we didn't have much relationship with dad because he never talked. When I grew up, and when he did talk, I listened. <laughs> <laughs> there was a few times he talked. But but he was not a conversationalist. And some of my siblings almost resented that. you know? But as I got older, I, I learned it was okay just to be quiet with Dad. Just to sit. And, t- and, and he would say a few things. But you know, one thing I really love about my dad, and I never thought Dad would be this way. I thought he would be a grumpy old guy who's hard to get along with. That's what I envisioned when I was younger. But Dad mellowed like a fine wine as he got older. And dad was the most, one of the most contented people I've ever seen in my whole life, uh, towards the end of his life. When mom died, it was unbelievable. Uh, my mom told me on her deathbed, one of the last things she told me, his temper, his temper. And well, of course, she had known his temper a lot in earlier years. But we never saw that after she died. <laughs> Maybe she had, uh, God answered mom's prayer. I'm not sure what happened there. But he was content. You know, when I had that talk with him, I was the oldest of six kids and had a talk with dad and said, Dad, we're gonna, you know, we, we can't no, no longer take care of you at home here. You know, some of us have to go off to work. One's a school teacher and one's a nurse and she's working. You know? we, we just couldn't do it physically. Okay, well, he accepted that. You know, he mentioned to me, I think, one time or so once we took him to the nursing home, like, boy, it should sure be nice to go home. But only that. And uh, other than that, he, I called Dad, how are you doing? Great, doing good. I mean, he, he never complained. He, he was a great example of contentment to me. Yes, Marge Winter was that way too. Oh, yeah. Talk about a godly woman. Yeah, yeah, we see it. I, I, I tell Janie, I want to be like my dad when I, when I get old, which is a long ways off, you know, Jeff. <laughs> oh, Genevieve was a sweetheart too. Yep, yeah, a lot of the saints here. Yep, she was. Yep, absolutely. All right. Uh, Okay, so I've learned in whatever state I am in this to be content. And then he begins to unpack it a little bit. I know how to be abased. Uh, The word abased means to be humbled. It's the very same word used of Jesus in chapter 2, verse 8. He humbled himself and became obedient even to the death of the cross. It's that same word humbled. Uh, It it refers to the idea of, of being down. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's the idea. Well, he's Paul's known the down times when when he was in a down down time, and then he says, "I know how to abound." That's when everything's going very well. You're, things are looking up. You know, right? And so this is the idea of prosperity, abundance. And when I've got plenty, he's known both. When I'm way down, don't have hardly anything. And when I'm way up here, uh, abounding. And then he says, everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Everywhere, even in prison, as he was now, in all things, in all kinds of situations, all kinds of circumstances, and he says, again, I have learned. I have learned. Now, this is a, there's a double emphasis. You see in verse 11, I have learned, whatever state I am, to be content. But now here, I have learned, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. That there's a different word, however, here in verse 12. The word translated learned here in verse 12 is a different word from that in verse 11. Here the word means initiated or learned the secret. This word was commonly used to people that were initiated into secret Greek mystery religions. It refers to something that not everyone knows. It's a special insight that belongs to the initiated. Paul, through his varied experiences, has been initiated into the secret of contentment. And the key to that secret is revealed in verse 13, which is shown to be finding strength to cope in Christ. That was the secret he had learned. Paul was now part of a select group of believers who have learned to trust God for their needs no matter what their station or situation in life. But I think that's an interesting uh, to know that the word learned here is the idea of, of you know, what you have learned, uh, been initiated into, and, and learned uh, the secret, you know, like, like an initiation rite where you've been through. And, and he had learned the secret here, which we know is... Strength is found in Christ. I I can rely upon Christ. Um, And what he had learned was to be full and to be hungry. Uh, Both extremes. To have a full stomach and then to be hungry. uh, Lacking uh, in, you know, proper (laughs) amount of food. Uh, You know, I don't know what you do with this verse if you are into the prosperity gospel. Uh, What do you do with this verse? <laughs> yeah, that's where they go. They go to verse 13, see? Say, see, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That, that's, that's true, We're not considering the context <laughs> at all. Uh, you know, actually, I don't know what you do with a lot of the New Testament if you're into the prosperity gospel. You pick out select verses here. But uh, yeah, Paul's experience clearly involved both, right? Full and being hungry. And he had learned contentment in both contexts. Uh, He wasn't greedy for more. You know, sometimes you have more, you want more. No, he was content with more, but he was also content with less. And uh, both to abound. Uh, The idea of abounding is not only having enough, but having more than enough. Having extra. And then to suffer need is the idea of uh, lacking, uh, being destitute, uh, Notice here, as we think about the Apostle Paul, we we see Paul as a great example of faith. It's not like he lacked faith like the prosperity gospel teachers want to say. Well, if you just have enough faith, you you know, you'd be healed. uh, You wouldn't ever lack. Uh, Well, Paul, that wasn't Paul's experience. Uh, It wasn't because he was out of the will of God. In fact, right now, he's in prison because of his faith. You didn't say, well, if you just had enough faith, Paul, you wouldn't have to go to jail. No, that's not true. Uh, So I think I've got another slide here. The prosperity gospel says that if you just had enough faith, you will always experience plenty. You'll always be abounding in abundance. Well, that didn't ring true in Paul's experience. He knew both. There were times of abounding in fullness, but there were also times of abasement and hunger being needy. The prosperity gospel teacher would say that Paul must have been in sin or lacking faith when he was needy or hungry. But Paul indicated that these experiences were as much the will of God for him as the other. And he has learned to be content even in these circumstances. So that's, that's the lesson that he has learned. The secret that he has learned is contentment. And again, it's, it's, it's something he has learned. Uh, if we're lacking, it doesn't necessarily mean God's disfavor. And if we have an abundance, it doesn't necessarily mean God's approval. You can't go by that necessarily, you know. Um, Paul, a man of God, experienced both. Okay, um, all right. We're going to get to verse 13, that, that famous verse 13. But any other thoughts before we get there? Yeah, Mac. seems like here that the, uh, the focus is always on God. Yep. Yeah. So God wants you doesn't want you to think about him, he wants you to think about yourself. Yeah. Right? Which is the total exact opposite. Oh, totally. God, right? Yeah. I mean if you really want <clears throat> you focus on yourself and the other things so you're never gonna change. Okay? Oh no, right. I say, I say that, but right? it's like if I wanna know the secret, I gotta go through the ball. If I want to level of the secret in which he knows him, yeah. Yeah. Yep, I think it is a learned process. That's what he says, I've learned, I've learned, says it twice. So I think that there is a process we go through to, to learn this contentment that he's talking about. Yeah, I think uh, Victoria said something about like, uh, you know, we're not really here for, for God so much as we are here for ourselves or something like that. You know, basically the same thing you're saying there, very self-centered, man-centered in terms of what we're here for. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's terribly sad. I mean, their whole ministry is terribly sad. (laughs) Ministry, quote, unquote. You know, whatever. Who are we ministering to? Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's have, uh, John, you want to read verse 13? Thank you. Including reading the verse, right? Yeah, yeah. I know, I I know. I'm being funny here. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Notice the context here that we have talked about. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not talking about, you know, well, uh, I can do all things, therefore I can be a brain surgeon. You know, uh, look for me in the next Olympics. Uh, You know, I'm going to start working out tomorrow. I can do all things and I'm going to be, you know, a sprinter. and I'm going to be in the Olympics. No, it doesn't mean that you can be successful whatever you want to do. I just believe, just believe, believe, believe. Uh, No, there's a context here, and the context is I can do all things in the sense I can be contented whatever circumstances I find myself in. That's the all things. I I can be contented whatever I'm going through. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the context here. Um, And notice, uh, here is the secret. He can do it through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, he can be content because of Christ's strengthening, getting him through, uh, depending on Christ. This is spiritual strength. This is supernatural ability and Christ's enablement to cope with the stresses and pressures of life that threaten to make us worry and be discontented. Uh, uh, Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, who we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need, especially in relationship to uh, temptation he's talking about there. But again, uh, where do we find the strength that we need to cope? Whatever we're going through. And again, the greater context here, be anxious for nothing. Uh, We're tempted to be anxious. We're we're tempted to be discontent. Uh, We can do what we need to do through Christ who strengthens us. Uh, I can do is the idea of uh, the power to handle it. The, the, the ability to cope. Uh, and, and he says, uh, I can do it. I can do all things, uh, whatever the stresses, whatever the circumstances. I can do all things through Christ, through his reliance upon Christ. Uh, the source of his enablement is Christ. Um, let's see, I've got another slide here. Christ truly is sufficient. This is the secret that Paul learned. Paul had learned the secret that Christ's strength is often demonstrated in the context of our weakness. And that's his emphasis in 2 Corinthians. Paul has learned just to accept whatever life is throwing at him, knowing that God is in control and that God is taking care of him. This is knowing that all things are working together for good for those who love God. Note these uh, three key interrelated ideas, learned, content, and Christ who strengthens. Uh, That's the formula that he has presented to us here in our text. Uh, What about physical? The context here in Philippians 4.13 relates to physical blessings and needs, but in another context, Paul relates God's sufficiency to spiritual ministry. In 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. So putting it all together, God is sufficient for all of our spiritual and physical needs. Realizing this, we can simply relax in the Lord and be content with whatever our lot may be. There is no need to get upset and anxious because God's got it all under control. Nothing touches us that does not first pass through God's sovereign and loving hands. And so that's, that's what Paul is emphasizing here. Now, we are not promised that life will not uh, have challenges. We're not promised a life of ease. In fact, the way of the cross would not seem to re- you know, involve that. But even as we go along in life and think about, uh, you know, well, now that I'm a Christian, I'm just expecting that I'll always have plenty. Not necessarily. That wasn't Paul's ex- experience. But you know what God has promised? We have some promises. What has He promised us? He doesn't promise that everything's going to be easy, not that we're always going to have an overabundance. Maybe we're just going to have very little sometimes. But what has He promised us? He has promised to meet our needs according to His will for His glory, and He has promised that His grace is sufficient, right? He has promised us that His grace is sufficient. And He has promised us His strength, right? This is what, what he's talking about here in verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whether you have little, he gives us the strength to get by. Have a, have a lot, he gives us the strength to, to be what we ought to be in that context too. So, uh, let's see. I think I got one more slide here. Maybe. Paul, by example, shows here in this chapter three things that we can hold on to at all times. Number one, rejoice in the Lord always. Joy in the Lord is tied to the fact that our names are written in the book of life and not tied to earthly circumstances. And then peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding as we handle life with prayer. And then contentment, uh, contentment in spite of our circumstances as we find our strength in Christ. So joy... Rejoice. Joy, peace, and contentment. These are the spiritual blessings that all believers may enjoy if we will but focus on the Lord and apply the spiritual disciplines that Paul has outlined in this chapter. So joy, peace, and contentment. Those are wonderful, wonderful realities. It's easy to kind of preach about this. It's not so easy to always live it out, right? It's easy to preach, be content. But uh, we all have to come back to these things here. And the issue becomes, what's my perspective? What's my focus? And uh, I remember, I can't remember who it was. I looked for this quote and I couldn't find it today. Um, I thought it was somebody like Helen Keller or somebody like this that was blind and deaf. But this person said, you know, there's a lot of living to be done within your limitations. And it was coming from a person who, who had learned to, to function with a lot of limitations. Uh, I think there's a great principle there in life. Uh, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens All things that God has for me to do, whatever that is, uh, whatever his will for me, uh, you know, maybe it's the will of God for me to lack at a certain point. I mean, here Paul was in, in prison under house arrest. For being faithful to the gospel, you think, well, God would certainly be giving an oversupply. No, it seems that he had to wait quite a while for the provisions to come in to where he's rejoicing greatly in how it has come through the supporters. It has finally come in. So, uh, you know, we need to uh, maintain an eternal perspective. We need to see that God's sovereign hand is over all that's going on in our life. And uh, we need to learn to be content in God and his provision. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That's a great verse. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And you know, Paul says in that same context, we brought nothing into this world. Certainly we can carry nothing out. Uh, what's valuable? Well, godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, you get that. I mean, you got the world <laughs> in a sense. You got, you got what matters. You have what matters. All right. Any other thoughts as we wrap up here? Yeah. Well, amen. Uh, he, he gives us what we need to get through. Yeah, amen. Mac? Uh, I like through. Oh, you're fine. Well said. I don't know if that's, if that's, uh, yeah, I, I think ultimately our contentment is found in God. Period. And, and whatever whatever happens in life, God is still sufficient. And that's really what you're saying, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, 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 th- I think it can be. I mean, these are issues of, of faith. You know, we, we talked about, let me see if we can go back to the beginning here. Uh, you know, we talked about, he says, stand fast in the Lord. And he mentions all these things, biblical unity, rejoicing, uh, gentleness, graciousness, uh, not being anxious, praying, disciplined thinking. Uh, you know, these things do, and the God of peace will be with you. And then, and then he mentions a life of contentment. So I think he's talking about an entire lifestyle that is very, very rooted in, in God, being fast, standing fast in the things of God. So, Which brings it back to what you're emphasizing. Your whole focus is upon God here. I mean, yeah, I think that's... It's a whole lifestyle f- focus in terms of where, where are you putting your mind here. Um, sure, I think if you lack faith you're going to not be trusting in the sovereignty of God. Uh, You're not going to be trusting in his strength to get you through. Uh, I think that's why Paul could say, I have learned. I mean, I think, you know, our whole life is really uh, being schooled in the school of faith in terms of walking with God. So, yeah, I think there's a whole lifestyle thing. It's a process. Um, if If we're here 10 years from now, we'll probably be stronger in our faith than we are now. You know, I mean, it is a process of sanctification, a process of growth, maturity. We are learning. We're all learning as we go through various things. It's, yeah. Just, just to add something the things that we go through as, an, as a believer, mm-hmm. the, the hard things, the hard things that we go through, we <clears> can <throat> yep. grow our faith. Yep. Our dependency upon, upon the Lord. That, amen. And sometimes you give a little R and R. Yep. Yeah, I'm thankful for those (laughs) R&Rs. Yeah, yeah, Bill? Oh. and I'm thinking how can that be how can that be Christian yeah. that just seems so off-putting to me and yet I think what they're doing is they're responding to what's about Yeah. and yet that's not me <coughs> yeah no no. that's all good that's all good and I think you know the book of Job for example I mean Job's friends show up what kind of theology did they have you know because things are going very bad for you there's something wrong here with in in your life that wasn't the issue Uh, we know from from God's own testimony that wasn't the issue in fact at the end of the day those three friends got to come back and apologize to Job so that you know (laughs) they can be healed (laughs) so uh, but I think you know one of the great lessons of Job is Job loved God for who he was. Uh, blessed be the name that the Lord has given. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, w- we need to love God for God. And, and I think that's contentment. That's what we're talking about here in Philippians, you know. And, and I've kind of learned to just trust God and love God for God. And God will take, it's kind of like Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, Seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. You know, uh, our contentment can be found in just trusting God, whatever we're going through. And, and yet give ourselves a little space, because it is a learned process, too. <laughs> you know, it's not like we are just arrived there. And sometimes we've got to relearn that, I think, too. That's good, though. I think yeah we kind of start there as as probably you know we come in as kind of man-centered in our theology <laughs> we grow to be more god-centered in our thinking as we go along as we mature yeah All right anyone else Okay well thank you thank you Shane